What is it that Satan is trying to do? Why does he not give up, repent, and go home? Satan cannot defeat God. He knows this, and yet he still strives against God. What does this mean for us? We are not privy to too much information about Satan. We know he was a mighty angel and he was thrown out of heaven. He conspired with Adam and Eve to defeat God. He was behind the formation of Babylon and the building of the Tower of Babel. We can assume he was so active in ancient times that he and his angels had all the world following his ways, with the exception of one family, Noah. Satan has so much power he could tempt Jesus, promising him authority over the kingdoms of the earth. He has demons and devils as assistants. Many times Jesus and the servants of Satan struggled over the souls of men. We also know that without the complicity of a fallen soul, he cannot lead us astray. Many people have sought to understand Satan and explain how he fell and what he is doing on earth as he seeks to lead sinners astray. Researchers have tried to organize all that we know about him and use this to develop a picture of who he is and what he is doing. Logical minds only rejects the inductive method. In our opinion, the inductive method is satanic. Induction requires assumptions to be made that are invalid. The inductive method is designed to work with this world and come to conclusions consistent with what the devil wants us to conclude. Logic uses deduction. Deduction posits general principles or axioms and then deduces what truths can be derived from these. Logical minds only posits that the most basic truth is that God exists. This is an arbitrary claim from the perspective of logic and can only be legitimized by the results that are produced because of it. The reader can just as arbitrarily reject the axiom. However, this is prima facie irrational, unless one has an alternative axiom with demonstrably better results. If we use the deductive method to discern truth, we can see what truths about the devil are consistent with the assumption God exists. What we are claiming here is that there are two bodies of assumption or two main bodies of opinion. These are that God exists and another claim that he doesn't. These seem just like two opinions like many others we could have. But these opinions have implications. If God does not exist, then certain facts must be deduced from them. Not can be deduced, but must be deduced as a logical necessity stemming from the original assumption. If we assume God exists, then we can assume that this logical necessity exists because God created logic. He designed the way we think. He predetermined what makes sense to us and what we cannot fathom because the idea or belief will generate incoherent conclusions if we think that way. This is why we are forced to reject God if we think everything came through natural processes and why we are forced to reject the assumptions of materialism if we assume God exists. Rejecting God, then, is not a simple act. It has far-reaching and serious implications. It is not substantially the same as rejecting the existence of leprechauns or Santa Claus. God created logic as a way for us to find him, and if we follow logic, logically in a coherent way, 
we will realize God must exist. This statement may be true or it may be false. If true, it will produce results in a predictable way. If untrue, then atheists can be logical, but faith in God will not be logical and this will become obvious the more we look at faith in a logical way. The claim faith is logical and logic is a truth written in our hearts as a way to find God leads to the prediction that if we have rejected God we have at some point rejected logic. Therefore it is possible for a logical person to prove the atheist position is incoherent and illogical that is if God truly does exist. To put this in a simple way the claim God exists and the claim he does not cannot logically both be logical. If at least one of these claims has to be logically erroneous, then the right one has to be logically coherent. If one or the other does not produce logical predictions and results, then both are logically false. Either way, logic tells us that if logic exists, it must follow the laws of logical coherence. And this means logical contradictions cannot logically exist. This being so, we will deduce that truth is logically coherent, being a statement free of logical contradiction or logical inconsistency. A body of truth is all those statements that logically cohere with one another. To discover the truth, one must be like the artist who took a block of marble and chipped away all those bits that did not look like the model he was sculpting. As logicians, we take away all the statements that do not fit in with the axiom, God exists. What we are left with is the truth of God as defined by logic. It is our assumption that if we follow logic, we will be guided by natural truth, or what the Bible calls the truth written in our hearts. We predict this logic will cohere with the testament of God, that is the Bible. Logic and scripture are 100% in agreement. However, saying this brings us to the conclusion or prediction that naturalism is excluded from logical verification. We cannot similarly verify the position of secularist using logical deduction. This is interesting because there is no assumption this is possible even by secularist. Secular philosophers depend on induction. Empirical science relies on induction. Their views about reality are based on a synthetic view of truth. None of this is founded on logic. The conclusion we come to is that the test is what is truth. Is it possible for empiricism to provide us with absolute truth? Of course not. This position is not even consistent with empiricism. By definition or by logical necessity, Empirical truths are contingent, relativistic, and probabilistic. No empiricist claim the product of his research is an absolute truth. This is logically consistent, but it is also logically incompatible with the nature of truth. A relative truth is not truth. We must work with our definitions. If truth and lies exist, then these are logically inconsistent with one another. Truth cannot be false. Logic forbids this. We see here the connection between logic and language. When we cannot say love includes severe beatings, it is because the concept of beating excludes how we define love. Our logic is language. 
The effectiveness of our logic depends on the precision of our language. Invective is discouraged simply because while it conveys emotion, it does not convey any information that can be logically investigated to verify or confirm its content. Materialists reject God and claim reality is composed of matter, energy, space, and time. They assume they are being clever because they have now made it impossible for God to exist within this conceptual framework. It's a logical trap. Having rejected God, they are forced to admit all that can exist is physical phenomenon. However, this can neither be verified or made logically possible. As soon as the atheist rejects God, they impose a logical conundrum on their position. If all that exists is natural phenomenon, then truth must be synthetic. We look at the world inductively, we make observations, then we test our deductions from these observations to see if we can predict physical events. But this is not a synthetic or inductive position. We cannot empirically demonstrate truth is synthetic. We can prove that synthetic truth is true in an absolute sense. In fact, this is prima facie illogical. The fact that by rejecting God one rejects the ability to conceive of an absolute truth is as interesting as it is implacable. There is no way around this. If we reject God, we reject the concept of absolute truth. The concept of it is not possible. So language is impacted by our choices. If there is no God, then nature has to be sufficient. But nature is not sufficient. Atheists overtly reject God, and they of necessity reject what they call the supernatural. But now they are at a loss at how to explain love, mind, purpose, truth, consciousness, and all those things associated with humankind. Secularists now must try and define human beings by some physical characteristic, and this is not possible. In fact, it is absurd. The first attempts to define mankind by his physical features had some anthropologists defining us as a bipedal creature, as if cripples lost their humanity along with their capacity to walk. These kinds of results can be shrugged off, but is an indication of the absurdities that come about when we start off on the wrong intellectual path. The question we have to ask is how do we come to the truth if we assume the truth is relative? Relative to what? If truth is contingent, what is it contingent on? It's as if we are liars and we are saying the truth is a lie and proving it by having to continually revise our lie to get closer to the truth while being prohibited from being honest by our definition of the truth as being a lie. The repercussions from a rejecting God are immeasurable. Atheists think rejecting God is akin to rejecting Santa. Yet to reject Santa accords with the reality created by God. When we embrace the reality of God, we embrace logic. When we reject this reality, we have abandoned a reality based on and confirmed by logic. If the reality of God is logical and the reality of atheists is based on contingent truth and reality as confirmed only by the means of synthetic truths, then in effect atheism has generated a second reality divorced from the one created by God. This accords with scripture, 
which tells us the world is formed of believers and unbelievers, which the Bible refers to as sheep and goats. Logic tells us that there are two types of truth, analytical truth and synthetic truth. These two camps are pretty much self-contained and mutually exclusive. The contest is about which truth is paramount. According to secularists, there is a material world that is objective and physical and can be known through the scientific method. The problem for secularists is that the scientific method rejects the notion of truth in the form logic provides, which might be considered acceptable if the notion of truth as a relativist concept is inherently flawed. The idea is itself analytically sourced. The argument all truth is relative and contingent is an absolute statement. The scientific method cannot prove all truth is contingent, and synthetic truth cannot prove there are no truths but those confirmed by science. In short, Naturalists are caught in a logical conundrum. Once we abandon logic, the idea of truth becomes untenable. But if we reject the idea of truth, reason itself must be abandoned. There's no logical way out of this paradox, and so secularists just avoid it and pretend it does not exist. Secularists are keen to point out that the concept of God is untenable because nature is physical and precludes the presence of what atheists refer to as supernatural agents. Logically this makes sense, but it creates problems for naturalists all the same. The first problem secularists encounter is that while they can claim nature is physical and anything that is not contained within the physical realm is supernatural, they have not actually demonstrated nature's physical in the way they contend it is. If they cannot prove reality is physical, how can that which is not physical be supernatural? It may seem a simple and uncomplicated thing to deny God and bundle this up into a category of existence called the supernatural and claim this category of things is superfluous. But if God is spiritual and the soul is spiritual, what of love, truth, mind, wisdom, and all those other things that cannot be linked to matter, energy, space, and time? Secularists feel they are objective. They criticize Christians of being believers in subjective truth. But where is this objective reality they claim exists? How can it be outside of the mind? If so, where is the mind? Is the mind also outside of the mind? We see the brain and the activity of the brain. We cannot see what the mind sees in the brain. It's all supposition. It is true the mind cannot create reality, but then the mind cannot create logic either. Solipsism has been discredited, but no Christian has ever claimed man is God and can create or control reality. Descartes, in his efforts to prove the existence of God, presumed reality existed and was material in composition. All this did was create the dualist problem. If matter and spirit exist, how does spirit control matter? Of course, the opposite is an even larger problem. If spirit does not exist, how would matter give rise to consciousness and the awareness of reality and self? By the terms of their reality, secularists attempt to solve the mind-body problem using the tenets of materialism, but this is not logically possible. If the mind cannot create physical reality, it is just as obvious physical reality cannot create mind. If God is a supernatural entity, then what is humanity? What is information? What is science itself? 
Science and truth are not physical. Knowledge is not a product of matter, energy, space, and time. Relative truth cannot be weighed or measured nor packaged or bottled. So what is logic and truth and information? Where is the technology for measuring relative truth? By what degree is one truth more or less relative to another? Secularists kick God out of the picture, but by doing so they bring in disrepute and doubt all of the most central factors of human progress and civilization. What is interesting about all of this is knowing that as successful as the physical sciences have been, restricting itself to what can be proved through the empirical science, the humanities have achieved far less. In fact, the division between the physical sciences and the humanities exists because of the inexactitude of the humanities. We can blithely cast out all that is not provably physical without repercussions. Why have the humanities not benefited from this action? Economics has no need for God, as it creates scenarios, and yet it is devoid of quantifiable predictions. Politics is likewise divorced from any Christian teachings, and yet leads to wars, social division, and constant social breakdowns. Where are the theoretical predictions as to how to create a quantifiable level of improvement? How do we predict social and economic progress? The Bible has Satan taking Jesus up to a high mountain and showing him the kingdoms of the world. These are promised our Savior if he serves Satan. Jesus does not mock Satan. Jesus does not tell Satan these kingdoms are his, or that the idea of him serving this darkness is absurd. Jesus acts as this is all meaningful to him. Jesus takes this attitude because politics is about man ruling man, using the logic of Satan. The kingdoms of this world are not logical. They are legal creations. They are formed from the corrupt logic of the devil. Jesus owns our ideas and spiritual reality. His kingdom is not of this physical world, but it is Satan who owns our institutions and legal systems that are embedded in what we think of as physical reality. Yet Jesus says that his kingdom is not of this world. That is because his kingdom is not what we see as physical and which governments attempt to regulate in a physical way using law. The kingdom of Jesus is a kingdom of logic and of information. The physical is the kingdom of Satan. Jesus controls how we think, but when we abandon logic, we abandon his rule in our life. Logic is written in our hearts, and Jesus controls this. The physical kingdom is ruled by law, both physical law and human law. This belongs to Satan. If we think reality is physically real, what can we do but attempt to control reality using physical means? This in itself is idiotic, because if reality is physical and based on causality, how can causality alter a casual chain of events? The concept of the human will cannot be reconciled with the concept of a physical universe. How does a causal chain of events produce an event that permits the causal chain to become null and void? 
Of course, we can argue that will is simply an abstraction and an illusion, if we want. We can choose to have an opinion on this or any topic we choose. However, if we have no free will, accountability and responsibility are also absent. If human beings have no free will, by what rights do we choose to punish those who break our laws? Perhaps we are forced to do this by casual events. Denying free will produces absurdities, but then accepting the doctrine of free will in a casual universe also leads to absurd conclusions. To have logic, we need to have belief in Jesus. To deny Jesus, if we are honest, leads to logical absurdities.